Vladimir Putin has appeared seated behind a very large table in Moscow to call for a partial mobilisation of his country's forces. That means a draft of as many as 300,000 reservists, says Russia's Defence Minister. It's Putin's response to recent Ukrainian advances. For the icing on top, he also threatened nuclear retaliation, saying Russia has lots of weapons to reply to what he says are Western threats. And he added, he's not bluffing. How will that go down with Russia's allies, China and India, who've already expressed displeasure with Putin's campaign in Ukraine? Tista Prakash is a research associate at the Lowy Institute and an expert on Indian foreign policy. Tista, welcome. Hi, glad to be here. Listen, do we know yet what Delhi thinks of all this? It's fairly fresh. So there hasn't been any word out of New Delhi yet, but um, that is not surprising because um, Delhi avoids knee-jerk reactions towards especially Russia because that's its oldest and perhaps strongest ally. And um, I think we're going to have to wait a couple of um, hours or maybe days to to hear something out of um, New Delhi. Now, we know that neither uh, Putin nor the Chinese leader nor the Indian leader are at the UN General Assembly this week in New York, but all their foreign ministers are. So one Mm -hmm. imagines that between their delegations, there will be discussions about all of this. Oh, that's that is very much a possibility. But look, I think um, you know there is there has been um, you know in the terms of what it, what optics we have, um, Modi has been very shy of having casual encounters, um, both with Putin and Xi, um, as we as was visible at the um, Shanghai Corporation um, Organization meeting in Samarkand earlier this week, um, and and Jay Shankar may as well be asked at the UNGA about his positions on what um, Putin has announced. However, I think, you know, we can still sort of, you know, we shouldn't wait with bated breath um, because India usually avoids public um, declarations um, with its diplomacy relations to Russia. Um, it, it, it does more of a sort of back channel and sort of quiet diplomacy on that front. So I, I don't think we're going to be hearing a public statement anytime soon. Uh, what about China? I mean, of course, mm. just before Putin announced the initial invasion of Ukraine, uh, Putin and Xi Jinping declared their no-limits partnership. Was this mm. latest announcement preceded by a similar deepening of ties? There's kind of a mixed message, isn't there, in the sense that quietly China seems to be underpinning um, these efforts by Putin, at least militarily or offering military support, but then publicly distancing itself. You're very right. And also noticing that there has become a pattern, right? So every time before Russia makes a bold move, um, it, it's quietly sort of sends out a signal with, in terms of its relationship with China just beforehand to sort of underline that, you know, it's not alone. And, and that, you know, we saw before it invaded Ukraine. And again, we saw with how um, it's announced um, to troops mobilization with China. It is very much a signal to the international audience that, you know, the, that, that Russia has friends. And China is the closest sort of, you know, uh, what ally to Russia. And um, of course, Russia is a junior partner to China, given its economic strength and, and military might. But it has, it, uh, it has become kind of um, a pattern for Russia and China to continue on to show their solidarity more publicly, um, you know, as a precursor to Putin's sort of strongman actions. 
Now, let's go back to, I mean, you, you mentioned that, that Modi, you know, tries to work quietly behind the scenes, that India tends to avoid knee-jerk reactions and prefers this kind of back-channel diplomacy, which mm. is, I guess, what makes it all the more surprising that Modi, you know, decided to publicly tell the Russian president that today's era is not of war. And he then went on to talk about the many times he'd spoken to Putin on the phone about, and this is a quote, democracy and diplomacy and dialogue. Given that 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 is what Modi's public setting is, presumably this ratcheting up of tension by Putin today wouldn't be welcomed by him. Not at all. And and look, you know, this was the first time Modi has reprimanded Putin or, you know, for that matter, an Indian leader has reprimanded a, a Russian leader. And and this, you know, is, is substantive in, in what it tells us about, you know, the India-Russia relations, because, as you know, Russia is, uh, you know, India's longstanding historical as well as sort of you know, defense partner. Um, and, and the fact that Modi called him out publicly, um, it, it, it signals that, you know, India is now really sort of diversifying its partnerships and, and sort of moving away from its, you know, all eggs in one basket kind of approach that it had earlier in the Cold War, especially with, you know, given its military and sort of defense partnerships with Russia. So, you know, but but I think more broadly, it also reflects India's position in terms of, you know, um, it's voicing the world's concerns, right? It, it Modi is highlighting the international concern over Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And, and you know, given that India is an emerging sort of country and an emerging power, I think um, it was more a signal by Modi to show that, you know, they, they do sort of reflect worldly concerns. It, they're a bit late to the party, though, aren't they? In the sense that many other nations spoke out much more strongly uh, when the invasion began into Ukraine the Indians kept it very ambiguous early mm. on, um, and I guess they were paying. They seemed to be uh, giving preference to you know the very deep relationship India has had with Russia, which you, you describe. You know, certainly during the Cold War, that close relationship with what was the Soviet Union. Talk to me a little bit more about that. What have mm. been the kind of main pillars of that relationship historically? Um. You're very right in in terms of you know India's India and the USSR, so the Soviet uh, Republic, in 1971 signed a treaty of cooperation and friendship, and essentially you know the, that began the 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 military and sort of defense partnership that was essentially a p- balance of power move, right? Because China and Pakistan at that time were deepening their relations, and you know given the Cold War, you know bipolar sort of tensions in the world, India essentially had no friends, right? Um, the U.S. wasn't providing India with the kind of defense um, hardware and the military hardware that India needed to sort of, you know, fight against Pakistan. And, you know, the, it was very, you know, encirclement was was a big concern for India, given that it has China on one side and Pakistan on the other. So in this sort of quagmire, India's only friend was the USSR. And, and, and in that sense, you know, there is this sense of IOU. India still thinks it owes Russia, it owes the Soviet Union something because during the Cold War, you know, and especially given that the USSR and Russia are a permanent member of the UN and India isn't, you know, they were they were representing India's concerns to the, the permanent council. And, and so there is this long standing kind of IOU between India and Russia. And, and it's it's it was partly the reason why India wasn't so, you know, why it's late to the party, like you said, because it, it, it was concerned about, you know, eight 
the historical sort of relations, but also the the prism is China. Well, that, India, that's the thing. There's yeah. not just two. There's not just um, two nations in this uh, relationship. There's three, aren't there? I mean, India, of course, has an ongoing border dispute with China, and at stake uh, is the control of around three and a half thousand kilometres of the border through the Himalayas. And it looks this week as though China's, in fact, made some gains there. Is is that right? Mm-hmm. So that is correct. And I mean, at this point, when you said three, I would actually say it's four countries because Pakistan, you know, one can never forget the board, longstanding border disputes between India and Pakistan. And, and, you know, China plays a huge sort of role there. So you are right. There have, you know, uh, there are some buffer zones um, in the Himalayas, which essentially were created to make sure that there is disengagement, because essentially what had happened since the, you know, the tense border disputes in 2020 is because, um, you know, you had these troops sort of, you know, fighting with sticks and rocks and almost 20 um, troops had died. And so since then, there has been, you know, problems because China still hadn't withdrawn from strategically important sort of um, buffer zones, as they were called. And um, essentially what has happened is that China, very much like what it's doing in the South China Sea, it's salami slicing um, India's territories uh, where they the, where they have the territorial sort of disputes. And um, the buffer zones in Ladakh, um, you know, where no, stru- no troops were said to be stationed, um, China has very quietly gone and sort of stationed its troops there. Um, you know, and that area has been claimed by China. And while there's not a lot of news coming out of there, but it you, we need to understand the strategic reasons behind why this is important, right? Because these are tactically important regions for India because the region that China is occupying is also, you know, it, it controls the whole area where Pakistan also sits. So essentially, it's the whole encirclement argument again that, you know, you've got Pakistan and China sort of, um, you know, joining hands against India, which is, uh, you know, uh, unfavorable and uh, not ideal for um, India's security. Um, and, and so it becomes a quagmire again. Tisa, how does that quagmire, that border dispute between India and China, play into Modi's calculus when he's thinking about the relationship with Russia? What, what, what I suppose, what is at risk? How can he strategize around that to get some benefit? So essentially, it's, you know, uh, not to make it too complicated, but a junior partner that Russia is, you know, that's beholden to China is a very dangerous game for for, for Modi, right? Because um, essentially, um, 85% of India's military hardware comes from Russia. And that makes it, you know, a very tactically important strategic ally if if they were to go to war because you need, you know, military hardware updated, repaired, maintained. And, you know, if if Russia is signing a no limits friendship with China, we don't know what China is going to ask Russia to do essentially, right? And that's not a favorable circumstance to be in for India, who has, you know, all this equipment from Russia that needs to be, you know, maintained. And, and if they, you know, if China asks Russia not to do that, then, you know, it, it's it's unfavorable for, for India. So, so really, you know, uh, the, the Russia relationship for India is a very sensitive one, because essentially, it is, you know, seen through the prism of China. So, and, yeah. so can I ask then, Tisa, why does India then feel like, given the fragility of all of that. Why does India then feel like now it can speak out against Mm. Russia? What's motivating it to do that? Is it playing, you know, is it playing with Moscow's affections or playing with that alliance, knowing that the US would certainly um, potentially reward it for taking a, a position against Moscow? 
Look, I think, uh, you know, the dependence on Russian arms has be- has been reducing. And this isn't to do with, you know, sort of the Ukraine crisis. It, it had been happening um, systematically since 2017. Um, and 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 now because you know India is getting closer to the U.S. and through its Quad partnerships, it's gaining a lot more sort of strategic allies a, as a counterbalance um, to the Russia-China sort of um, duopoly. It is getting a lot more sort of confident in calling out um, you know R- Russia for you know engaging in war in, in in essentially invasions of Ukraine. And and this sort of you know um, Indian arms procurement, you can see that you know India is now diversifying its arms procurement from France, from the U.S., from Israel even. So so there is that you know the diversification of the arms procurement has given India and also the drive to make indigenous produced arms right. So so self reliant, um, a self reliant India is a more confident India. So it's it's ga- it's gaining a lot more sort of you know confidence in calling out uh, Russia for that. I mean, India, as you mentioned, is almost involved in this kind of spaghetti soup Mm. of alliances uh, Mm. and arms deals with many different nations. It's also, of course, a member of the Quad, along Mm. with Japan, Australia and the US. Mm. Have you been surprised at how tolerant Quad member states appear to have been with India when it comes to its position on Russia? I have been surprised, but in a good way, because essentially, you know, this isn't the first quad, right? As we all know, the quad 1.0, which was born, you know, uh, in 2008, after, in 2004, after the Indian Ocean tsunami, um, that one died a, you know, quick death. Um, and and this, the revival of it has been the rise of China in 2017. So I think, you know, it, it has shown a matured kind of, um, you know, confidence in the fact that, you know, they know that each country has its own limitations and the the pressure on India hasn't been so much to sort of, you know, uh, call out Russia, but rather, you know, to to make sure the diversification of its, you know, military strategy and its strategic sort of policy happens in a systematic way, right? Whether that means having, you know, the U.S. provide more arms, you know, uh, Japan provide more development sort of, you know, strategies. It's been a lot more systematic and and, and in a sort of, um, you know, understanding way of India's limitations. And that just shows how much stronger this Quad 2.0 is. I mean, potentially, I guess it could be seen as an opportunity for Quad countries to step in and, if you like, look for some leverage with India, offering better support to India, particularly in terms of those weapon sales that you were discussing earlier, uh, Mm. in return for uh, India taking some distance, perhaps, from Russia. Uh, quite certainly that that is the case and and these are all great opportunities and um you know while india always says that it's non-aligned right non-alignment movement is it's 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 you know centerpiece of its foreign policy but the key thing here is that india is not non-aligned when it comes to china right that that, that you know the, that the fact that the quad is essentially you know g- being you know without using the china word is essentially to maintain the balance of power against china um it, this is a very good opportunity for the quad partners to come together and really sort of you know strategize in terms of figuring out what you know, supply chain resilience or, you know, public goods kind of campaigning. Like this is a good time for Quad to get some good PR out there, really. Now, um, we know that, of course, that Europe is facing an energy crisis and Putin has found buyers for Russian oil in Asia, including in India, which is taking Mm -hmm. the bulk of Russia's crude oil exports. Um, Mm -hmm. That really 
it really starts to get <laughs> turned into a quagmire at this point, doesn't it? I mean, now Modi's shifting position on Russia is really complicated, isn't it? Look, you're completely right. And it's, it's, a, it's, there is no black or white here. It's a very messy situation, right? Um, but here's the thing about, you know, India, in, uh, you know, and its energy and food security challenges that it faces and why it continues to sort of, you know, import uh, the crude oil and, and things like that is because its food insecurity is essentially linked, you know, to its inflation, which is a political problem in India. And, you know, the Modi government cannot be seen to be, you know, losing the political ground. So in this way, you see, you know, foreign policy and domestic policy are very intimately connected to each other. And as you know, you know, BJP is a party that, you know, is, is a very, is a, has a stronghold in India. And it, you know, it, it depends on Russian oil and it depends on, you know, its, its energy and food security including, you know, wheat, um, uh, it's very much linked to its domestic political sort of, um, uh, you know, resilience and BJP can't risk to lose that. And, you know, no matter what, you know, the foreign policy structure is, um, political, you know, problems like inflation, governments have fallen on that in India. So this is something that, you know, Modi is very keen to, you know, take care of. It all feels very delicately balanced in every direction, Tista, I have to say. Thank you so much for joining us. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. That's Tista Prakash, who's a research associate at the Lowy Institute. G'day, potties. If you like discussions that get beyond the headlines and help you make sense of the big trends in business and politics, check out uh, Saturday Extra with my colleague Geraldine Doog on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts.